Welcome one and all to the Any Given Thursday podcast. Uh, we're back in the new year, first episode of 2024. Um, of course, there is no European football until next month. So what are we doing? We're returning to our tried and tested, our mixing metaphor, mixing sayings, tried and true, but... mixing mixing sayings. Um, it's tried and true, well tested, proven formula. Everybody loves it. Uh, it's our best. It's our best segment. Um, it's won us awards. It'll win us many more. That's right. Is Club Spotlight pew, pew, pew. our first um, since early in the fall? We haven't done yeah. one in a while. Um, I think this is our seventh, eighth, uh, eighth? edition. Whoa. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're we're this time. David is bringing you an all new, thoroughly researched uh, edition. Um, and who will we be covering today? Today, Maxwell, we're going to be covering Toulouse FC, obviously out Toulouse. of Ligue 1 in France, currently in the Europa that's, League. That's Ligue 1, um, for all of those French, who don't speak French, which unlike us. Yeah, I took 12 years of French in school. so I, I took zero, but I'm smart and I intuit. Not, yeah, and do you know any Spanish? I mean, it's very easy to translate. Uh, I took uh, how many years of Spanish? 10 years of Spanish? So no, I don't speak any yeah. Spanish. <laughs> But a lot of people in Toulouse apparently don't speak that much French either. Uh, what do they speak? An it's indigenous language? Of Oxita- Toulousian? Occitan. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's a kind of region in southern France that they're the capital of. They're the most famous Occitan city. Wow. Well, uh, save it for the pitch. Yeah. Um. So now, ladies and gentlemen, everybody else, um, here is David's pitch of Toulouse soccer football club town. Yes. Go ahead. All right, Max. The simple elevator pitch right here is that Toulouse, they come from one of the rugby capitals of Europe. You know, it's a hotbed of rugby. And yet, simultaneously, their soccer club has become one of the forerunners of the emerging analytical approach to player signing and coaching and tactics within European football. Snaps. To allow them to qualify for European competition. You call them maybe the Brighton of France? Um... (laughs) I think that's a fair comparison. They're definitely not the Brentford because even though they also take the analytical approach, it's done very differently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, But Toulouse are not the first soccer team from Toulouse. Mm -hmm. There was another Toulouse FC that existed for 30 years before this one. Uh, They were founded in 1937, but had to sell all their assets to become Red Star in Paris. In 1967. They moved to Red Star? Mm-hmm. So it... Red Star already existed, and they just sold their rights to Ligue 1 their, and all their players to Red Star. Oh, Red so League Red Star, Red. like, became part of... Or, sorry, Toulouse like, became yeah. part of Red Star. Yeah, they kind of merged. doesn't sound like much of a merger if you lose all your players and your club to a yeah. club that didn't have to change its name, move, or change anything about it. Yeah, Red Star, Red Star won the merger. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say Red Star won the merger. Yeah, Um. but that Toulouse had also won one Coupe de France, so now current Toulouse have equaled them. Indeed. Mm-hmm. They sure have. Yeah, so they Which were famously of... why they're in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, despite oh, yeah. finishing, what, 12th last year? 13th? 13th last year. They qualified That's why we Europe. get to talk about them at all. Through the Coupe de France in a, I don't want to say a shock win, because the Coupe de France seems to have a lot of mid-table teams that'll find their way to the title, like not the year before. 
Indeed. Uh, not Luka Doncic has been absolutely wild. Absolutely wild for the last couple of years. Yeah. A lot of deep runs from non-first division teams. As you mentioned, the last two winners finished in the bottom half of the table. And I think this year we already have four or maybe even five teams qualified from outside of league off for the round of 16. How fun. So, yeah, including a fifth division side. PSG is going to win this year, probably. Probably. Spoil all the fun. Mbappe's little farewell tour is going to end in a Coupe de France win. Okay. Um, Watch him resign. Yeah. But so this Toulouse, they were founded in 1970 as Union Sportive Toulouse. They originally wore red and yellow. And it wasn't until 1979 that they were able to reclaim their name, Toulouse FC, and their original colors of purple and white. That was the first team's original colors? Yeah. Okay. And purple is apparently like the color of the city of Toulouse. It's uh-huh. a violet city. That's nice. Um, so it's kind of, they're a new club, but they're not really that new of a club. No. They're basically as old as other French clubs. Yeah. But with a weird 15-year gap. In, in like competition at the high yeah. level. Um, yeah. So they've always kind of been, even the original Toulouse, <laughs> were always just like, Mid-table, lower mid-table, get relegated every once in a while, team. Um, trying to think of, like, a good comparison, maybe, like, a like a Wolves uh-huh. for a while, where it's like, okay, you expect to be... Leicester. Leicester until their title win. It's like, you expect to be around the top flight, but, you know, you go down sometimes, and then you'll mm-hmm. be there a couple years and come back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but current Toulouse hit their worst spot in 2001, when they had some financial problems and went bankrupt. Famously difficult year. Famously difficult year for a lot of people in a lot of parts of the world, mm. but mostly the people of Toulouse. <laughs> I think they had it the roughest. Uh-huh. Uh, their team went bankrupt. They were relegated to the third tier, uh, but they were purchased by a local businessman, Oliver Sardem, who kind of provided the stability to the club. And I couldn't I find online anything terrible about him even though he's a businessman. No so way. He's a good guy. That can't be. I, he owns a soccer club, so I doubt he's that good he's a done person. done something. But he seemed to provide a lot of stability for Toulouse, got them back up into Liga, and mm-hmm. got them into Europe for the first time in a while. Oh, wow. As they finished third in the 06-07 Liga season, which is, to this date, the highest finish of any of Toulouse's clubs. Very high. Yeah. Um, so that was their third time they qualified for Europe and they went to the Champions League for the first time ever and they got eliminated right away by Liverpool and qualifiers. So they didn't even get to the groups. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a tough draw. <laughs> yeah. It was five nothing. Five and, nothing. Yeah. That's that's a that's an unfair draw to get in there. It really is. Just you're supposed to get someone you're supposed to get like an Eastern European club. This is Liverpool a year removed from playing in the Champions League final, too. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah, it's a rough... What happened in that Champions League final? Uh, Milan won. They beat Liverpool. They got their comeuppance. They got their revenge. You just... I know you need to get that in. So I did. I was going to find a way to work Milan yeah, in. I got it was in. supposed to come later when I talked about their own. Yeah, for those of you listening, you're, you're, you're supposed to take a shot the first time Milan comes up on the podcast. And you cannot do it every time because you will die. No, it's just... I will hit it enough time. times. And when I bring up Spurs, you can take another one. Yeah. Uh, but So that was Toulouse's third time in Europe. Their previous ones were... 86, 87, and 87, 88 UEFA Cups, where uh-huh. they beat Maradona's Napoli in 86, 87. Wow. And then got eliminated by Spartak Moscow. That was the year after they won their first title, wasn't it? Or did they win in 87? It was they either they 80... won that year. Yeah, they won yeah. that year. Pretty I impressive. Think so. I think so. I'm... It was either 86 or 87. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and then the next year, they beat Panionios from Greece, mm. naturally. Uh, and then they lost to... Leverkusen in the next round. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, big gap in their European appearances before 0708. Um, where obviously they went to the Champions League and then we're in the Europa League group stages um, because they beat CSKA Sofia in the playoff round. And then they were in a group with Leverkusen again, Spartak Moscow again, and Zurich and Sparta Prague, and they came last. So not a great European history. Kind of tough to come last in that group. Yeah, especially to Zurich at the time. Zurich is tough. Yeah, but this was a time in the mid-2000s where League hey, Zurich is good again, though. Yeah. And they make no sense they the last few years. Um, Thanks for making a bunch of noise, serious. Mid 2000s. You can also take a shot when the dog interrupts us. So that's the first time. That's your second shot. It take. happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like I was saying, Liga in the mid 2000s was kind of at a weaker point in its history. Uh, just not a lot of top teams there. Like they were, this was right before they go into their like 10 winners in 10 years thing. Um, so there's no team that can really grab the, top of the table and put in great European performances. So it wasn't a surprise that Toulouse struggled mm-hmm. in their group, especially as a newer team to Europe. But they would come back again a couple years later and beat Trabzonspor in the playoffs to make the Europa League group stage again uh, before once again failing to come out, finishing third behind yeah. Shakhtar and Club Brugge Damn. in their group. But Toulouse, they continued to be kind of like a mid-table yo-yo team for a while. Uh, before they got relegated a couple years ago and their owner decided, you know what, it's time to sell. It's time to move on. This project's over. Let's get it done with. And in came their new owners, Redbird, who also own Milan now. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was Redbird's first purchase in European soccer, I believe. I don't remember them existing before this, but Mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that. Uh, So they they love Toulouse more than more than you. Probably, although their owner is Cardinale, gives off some Italian American vibes. I had to guess. Uh, yeah, uh, but Redbird came in and they wanted to do a kind it of could like, be Cardinale. It could be. That's a very French pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to do a very like Moneyball, Billy Bean inspired mm-hmm. style. So they're very analytic driven in player acquisition. They would find what they were lacking analytically, look for a player to fit that need. It's all the rage. And they kind of ignored most traditional scouting, but not all of it. That was where they kind of differed from a lot of other um, money ball approaches around Europe, is that they kept on Julien Demuc. Had to look that up. Yeah, that's ahead of data. And had him work with Brendan McFarland, who they brought in, uh, to kind of hybridize the money ball approach. So McFarland was there to observe players like attitude, temperament, their technique, how well he thought they could integrate. How does one analyze team. temperament statistically? I don't know. I Well, because this part isn't very statistical. Sure. Right? That's this what is, I asked. This is yeah. a more traditional approach uh-huh. is they have a dedicated team looking just at... I would prefer if they had a model to uh, somehow to quantify temperament. temperament. Yeah. How many times does he throw his arms up per game? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So they paired him with uh, Julian Demieux, who used to be an aerospace engineer before transitioning to oh. being a head of data. Bloody fucking soccer. duh. Huh? Yeah. And they worked under Damien Camoli, who's famous for signing Andy Carroll for Liverpool. Oh, that famously worked out really well. Yeah, so he seems to have reinvented himself now as a money ball guy, um, which... Andy Carroll now on inter- in interviews is like, why did I do it? Yeah. <laughs> So they looked, shouldn't have done it. So they looked for players that they thought were maybe undervalued playing in lower leagues that they could steal for Toulouse 
and bring up a good mm-hmm. example would Sounds be familiar. Franco Vandenboomen, which is just it's one of the best names in soccer. Let me guess, he's Dutch. He is Dutch. <laughs> he's signed from the Dutch second tier. Have great names in 2020, and he was one of their best players last season in Liga. Uh, got a lot of interest from top teams. Ended up moving to Ajax. So it's like finding the guys like that who are just being maybe misutilized or undervalued at their current clubs, and being able to bring them into your or into your team. Um, so that brings us up to 2022, where Toulouse were promoted to Ligue 1. So Indeed. now they're back up in the top flight. It's their first season. Ligue 1 is going to have four teams go down that year as they contract the. T- from 20 to 18. It's a tough year to come up. Yeah, it's a bad year to be promoted. And most people are like, okay, Toulouse will probably be, they could be the best of the promoted teams. You know, they have mm-hmm. a decent amount of money, lower end of the table and money-wise. But, you know, they looked good the year before. I think most people thought if one team stays up, it'll be that. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they managed to do it. They came 13th, riding a great January and February, where they won five out of seven games. Only lost one in that spell to PSG on the road. So very excusable excusable loss. Yeah. Um, so they come 13th, which is great for them. They stay in the league. But really, the big thing was their cup run, which uh, largely successful based on luck, one might argue. Because mm. uh, I you know, I didn't follow it until they were in like the semifinals. I didn't know where Toulouse had been. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're a league on team. They get to the quarterfinals. I'm not that impressed. Sure. Uh, but especially because only, well, maybe you should be because only like two League One teams make it to the quarterfinals every yeah, year, apparently. Maybe I need to reconsider that stance. Yeah. But uh, they only faced one top flight team before the final. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reem in the round of 16. Oh, wow. Who really? went down? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They, they, didn't. they, they almost went down. Until they got Will Still. Yeah. They almost went down. Yeah. Um, they almost went down the year before. Four, yes. And, and now they're third. Yeah. I think they're third right now. <laughs> I think so. Or they yeah. were last time. They brought in. Um, last time I checked. They brought in Will Still, right? That they brought Still. In. Yeah, once they brought him in, they seemed the man, pretty good. Future manager of the English national team. Probably. Be interesting. That'd be Probably. Interesting. I don't know. Um, Soon to be Premier League manager, I assume. Yeah. But Toulouse just absolutely dominated their way to the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly playing lower teams, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, you play Still who's got to beat them. You play who's in front of you. A they bunch don't... of other League One teams didn't make it there, so. Yeah, they were they were dropping like fives to to non League One teams. Yeah, and this year they didn't make it that far. So yeah, we'll get to that. I kind of spoiled uh-huh. it. You did, you idiot. Um, but they won every game by until the semifinal by at least two goals. Mm-hmm. Right, seven one over Lannion, two nil over Ajaccio, three one over Reims, six one over Rodez, two one over Anansi, and then defending champions not in the final against their former the former Toulouse manager Antoine Kumbare. As well, I didn't realize he used to manage to lose. Um, so it was a very you know hyped up game. It was like, okay, not either get into Europe a second time in a row, which would be huge for that club, or it's to really, lose get in for the first time. Of an in a underrated while. talking point that, um, that Nons would even make two straight because almost won two straight Coupe de France's. Yeah, like well, almost going down both years is kind of kind of insane. I mean, they didn't almost go down the year before, but they. You know, yeah. They, last mean, year they, they weren't. Did. It's not like they weren't. It's not like they were. Last year they were in like in and out of seventeenth place, like most of the season. Yeah, 
Pretty uh, wild. Pretty wild that they almost... Where did they finish last season? I think nine? Oh, last year. The year before, I think they finished top half, actually. Yeah, they were ninth the year before. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. read about that. They were 16th last but, year. I mean, so what one a, spot away from relegation. Yeah, for a club like them to do... I mean, this isn't about them, but damn. Yeah, I mean, and Toulouse, it's also just them being in a final is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. When you compare it to, like... Especially just coming back up. Yeah, when you compare it to, like, you know, the English FA Cup, where you have pretty much just as open a system... Mm-hmm probably slightly less because of the lack of overseas territories mm-hmm. in the competition, like the French have, which just add another level of craziness to the competition. Yeah. And but there's a, there's usually a little more English FA Cup, it, at least at this point, it's always some of the top teams in the final and at least one of the top teams yeah. is in the final. Yeah. The gap, it's a lot less uh, crazy than it used to be back in the day. This it's very like, I think the, yeah. the leagues are just so much more defined from one another now than they used mm-hmm. to be that it's like, I mean, like you'll see a lot of upsets in like mid lower tier, like league one, two. I don't think there's that much difference, but yeah, between the Premier League and like league one now, it's, it's enormous. Difference. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then in the Coppa Italia where the top Serie A teams don't even come into the round yeah. of 16, which is terrible. Which is yeah, I know, outrageous. I know it's outrageous. And I mean, the Pokal in Germany has some level of there's, the there's always big big upsets but never you never rarely see like a semi-finalist or whatever that's yeah. that's not and a, you don't get Bundesliga, yeah. lower lower part of the table no. teams in the final at least one like if munich isn't there yeah part of the shit is that Bayern munich got knocked out but now three years in a row i think to shit teams yeah uh but last two years leipzig won so leipzig great gonna qualify for the champions league yeah. either way so great that's that's fun yeah, and who do they play in the final? The year? team instead of the most dominant team in European history, basically it's... in their league, well, the the most hated team in the country wins. Yeah. Great. I actually <laughs> think uh, bringing up Leipzig. Oh well, I'll finish with the. We'll translate well into what happens after the Coupe de France because uh-huh. Toulouse they come out on fire in the Coupe de France final. They scored two goals in ten minutes, uh-huh. had two more before half, and walked easily away with a five-one victory to qualify for Europe. Maybe. Yeah. Big asterisks on that qualify for Europe because they were not guaranteed admission. Indeed. Because Redbird had the year because of you. Yeah. <laughs> purchased Milan as well. Uh, and the UEFA rules state that two clubs owned by the same entity cannot be guaranteed entry into continental competitions. This is not so the only time we've seen this in recent years as well. Yeah, there are actually two other cases this year where yeah. teams had to petition and demonstrate that they were not in conflict of interest to get in mm-hmm. Brighton with Unicentral Wa. Who I now believe uh Tony Bloom, I think, has extricated himself from actually the operation of St. Joe's completely at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he still has ownership stake, but he doesn't have anything to do with running the club anymore. Yeah. He might have actually gotten rid of his stake. I'm not sure. Yeah. And Aston Villa with Vittoria Guimarães. Right. I forgot about that. Um, and the Brighton one actually had another level of complexity because priority is supposed to be given to the team that finishes in the higher competition, right? So with Aston Villa and Vittoria Guimarães, you're like, okay, that's easy. Aston Villa come in in the group stage. Vittoria Guimarães have to go through, or come in around after Vittoria Guimarães. So they are prioritized. Mm-hmm. Milan are prioritized over Toulouse because Milan are in the Champions League. Toulouse are in the Europa League. And it looked like but sort of a Brighton real possibility, right? Coming in at the same time. Oh, in yeah. The Europa League. Um, so technically... Unicentral Wa, I think, were supposed to be prioritized over Brighton because they came higher in their respective league than oh, Brighton did, which is like the tiebreaker. Uh-huh. But like you said, Tony Bloom, he was ahead of that a while away. Yeah. I don't think there was any chance that yeah. they had deemed that a conflict of interest. 
Aston Villa, the Torrey Guimarães was a newer union. I don't think the Villa board had any overlap with the, the Torrey Guimarães board. Mm-hmm. So that was also fine. But Redbird had the same board for Milan and Toulouse for a while. Yeah. Including Cardinale as the leader of both boards. I don't think they ever thought Toulouse would be <laughs> no, quickly they, getting into Europe. Yeah, at least right away mm-hmm. they didn't expect that to be the case. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. And, and I didn't think they'd win the cup the first year up from promotion. Yeah, so... Redbird had to, in order to get entry into the Europa League, mm-hmm. Redbird had to demonstrate that they yeah. had no decision-making capacity at one of the clubs, uh-huh. right? So they said, okay, well, Milan in the Champions League, so we'll do it with Toulouse in the Europa League. So they got rid of a lot of board members, changed around some financial agreements that they had with Milan to demonstrate total independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then UEFA was like, okay, but no sign or loaning players between you guys this year as well. Which actually has come up in January, as apparently Milan have wanted Tice Dalinga, mm. who is on Toulouse, one of their starters. They've wanted him for apparently a while. Apparently Maldini wanted him before Cardinale came in. So there was some like, oh, well, can't do it this year. Yeah. Um, and now that the Toulouse have a separate board, they're not worried about like, oh, Toulouse just going to hold on to those players so that no one else could get them. Right? Yeah. Um, but they were able to demonstrate that, and thank God. Thank because... God. That would have, I mean, to not make the your first like European campaign in forever mm-hmm. because of something that stupid would have been so cruel to the I to Toulouse to the to the fans, like especially like yeah, yeah the rules you prioritize the you know the the higher ranking team or whatever. But like Milan makes the, I mean, except for that weird spell where they sucked for like five years. Yeah, they make the Champions yeah, League sure. basically every year now. Mm-hmm. And you and have historically. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can't really cost a club that big, like, their Champions League money, because that's hugely impactful on yeah. clubs. But also, like, can you imagine, like, missing out because some big boy is like, nope, sorry, we own you. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I mean, that would suck. Same, because no one at Milan would have wanted to exclude no. either, or have that been the case. And no one at yeah. Toulouse would want to be excluded. And that's an interesting obviously. rule, because it's like... I understand the conceit of the rule, mm-hmm. um, but now multi-club ownership is such a widespread thing that it's yeah. probably time to revisit the logistics of that. Especially if they're just gonna they're gonna say it's not allowed and then let everybody do it anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, they're gonna have to rethink that. And just with the from the public perception point of view, when Leipzig and Salzburg were matched up together, that put an end to it. There was no yeah. way oh, you were going. We're get... gonna see it again next year with City and Girona. Yeah. Girona's basically guaranteed to make some Europe next year. Yeah, probably the Champions League. And I think once. I mean, I guess I understand the need to be like, okay, you just have to demonstrate that your boards don't overlap and you don't have any yeah. financial agreements that would jeopardize anything, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have like, a, oh, Milan get 30% of Toulouse's European budget. Like, that How's it going to work when Al Nasser and Newcastle are both in the Champions League? Uh, the exactly. Time? That's going to be crazy. Yeah, when they do a special invite to Christian. Yeah, and they're going to kick Newcastle out. <laughs> and if Newcastle falls just for Ronaldo. Year, yeah, true. Um, but yeah, City Girona, I think will be an interesting one because that is much more of like a multi-club ownership model what if they both finish first <laughs> <laughs> i think city has city have a higher coefficient so they oh uh, sure 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 technically prioritized by what if Uefa. girona finished first and city don't what if then liverpool or arsenal won the league then girona should technically be prioritized that would be amazing <laughs> i think Uefa would let them not prioritize that would be so funny yeah. Uh, oh my God. Imagine. Imagine the pet press conference. Yeah. Dude, just imagine the English media. If City get excluded, yeah. Corona too. Oh man. Oh, I would love it. But 
The media would be thrilled. They would love that shit. I mean, they would hate it for the league's coefficient, but there would be. I think everybody would like to see City dicked a little bit. A little bit. I mean, especially with the especially the other clubs in the league. You know, the ones facing sanctions for FFP. Yeah. When the city stuff is ignored and for years. I do think there's a chance. This is. I mean, this is not related to Toulouse, but I think there's a chance that City's City is facing a year punishment coming soon. So be great if Girona qualified. City it's, could be like, wouldn't be the okay, first we'll time they've been banned from Europe only to be have it reversed exactly. later, which was also what would happen probably. Yeah, but then if they're not, if they're excluded from Europe, that does then give their boards the freedom to just loan everybody to Girona. Ah, Kevin De Bruyne and Girona <laughs> and Holland. Besides the UK's, like no more than what is it like four over yeah. twenty three loans, right, to prevent the Chelsea loan army. Holland banging in fifty goals in La Liga next yeah. year. So like they were, God. I mean, he'll probably do that soon for Real Madrid anyway. So uh, it's going to end up there. But, yeah, so... You're right. Uh, Toulouse, they qualified for Europa League based on a UEFA ruling that said you're not the same team as Milan, you're allowed to play. And everybody, You're not the same team as Milan? Everybody rejoiced. They do play in different colors, to be fair. Yeah. Everybody rejoiced. Everybody was happy. You know, you got to see the biggest, best team in the world playing the Champions League. Yeah. And you got to see Toulouse playing the Europa League. You got to see the other biggest, best team in the world. Yeah, the biggest, the best League. team in Occitania playing the Europa League. Yeah. No, but it was uh, – everybody wanted to see Toulouse in. It would have been a travesty Yeah, if they'd been excluded. It would have been understandable that UEFA has these rules, but would have been outrageous given the yes. situation with Toulouse. That brings us to the summer, which got off to a bad start. They lost four players who were first-team starters on free transfers. Yeah. Reese Healy, uh, Bronken Van de Boomen, Stein Spearing. Where did Van de Boomen go? He went to Ajax. Did he? Yeah. Well, that's not working out great. No. <laughs> well, Ajax are okay. Now, Ajax are, like, they're, fifth already. They're fixing it a little. They're already fifth. Yeah. It's Stein... impossible to be lower than fifth as one is Ajax. Uh, Stein Spearings, who went to Long originally, but we'll come back to him. Don't you worry, we'll come back to him. Oh, I don't, not worried. And uh, Maxime Dupe, who was their starting goalkeeper, he moved to Andalus. You mean Dupois? Is that a reference? That I'm... No, no, no. Just a fr- I was just doing a French thing. Oh, no, he's uh, I'm just doing France racism. Ah, well, I mean, I'm fine with that. White racism is fine, it should be, it should be I think confirmed. He's, I think he's white. Okay, then I take it back if he's not white. He, I, I think he's white. I, this is our long-standing belief that I hold, Look and I think David holds, is that it's okay to be racist to white French people. Yeah, I think that's a general consensus in the United States. I think it's and... also true uh, about Germans and Italians because they did war. Yeah, the English, um, the English because they're English because the they did all war. Uh, the they Dutch, did all the conquering. The Dutch because of Austin Powers. The Dutch, yeah. The any, I think any white. Uh, you know, I, imperial only imperial only nation questions is probably Spain because then you're getting into like, oh, are you racist? To them because they're Spanish or because uh, they're speaking Spanish. They, how many? It's like let's do a tally of how many indigenous people each country killed, and if you cross a certain threshold, you can be what racist to them. Yeah, I think people. when you're racist towards Spanish people, though, some people will be like, "Oh, you're racist to them because they speak Spanish, and you uh-huh. think they're Hispanic." Sure. Right. So that's where it comes in. You got to clarify when they're white. Yeah, you got to be like, yeah. "No, no, no! It's because they're from Spain." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, after that very weird <laughs> aside, <laughs> they also lost very shabby. To Frankfurt, he's been playing pretty well for them. They at least got paid for that one, ten million. Mm. Um, and then over the early part of the season, Zakaria Abukalal, who was one of their star attacking players, he 
got injured. He's had knee surgery. Mm. That was a huge loss for them. So they've lost a lot of key pieces. Yeah. And I don't, they didn't bring in a lot of guys, yeah. um, but, but their goalkeeping solution. I don't suppose they have a ton of, they don't have a huge budget to spend on, no. on transfer had, despite being a, owned by Red Fourth Bird. lowest budget, right. operating budget in. So this is why top. they have to operate like, like a, like a Brentford, like a Tony Bloom club. Yeah, but the difference between them and Brentford is really exemplified in their goalie mm-hmm. solution. Um, mm-hmm. So they just decided to promote Guillaume Resté uh-huh. or Guillaume Rest. I don't right, we have to talk about their farm system. Yeah, so they <laughs> actually have a very thriving youth academy mm-hmm. right now. Um, and apologies for my very American terminology. Of yes, youth. the farm. Yeah, the farm system. Yeah, so that's they have bad. a. That's my bad. A lot of their. Uh, advancement has been in investing in the youth academy mm-hmm. and in those facilities to yeah. mold players into how they want them to be for the they have one game. of the best in france don't they yeah it's been really good recently um and goalkeepers has long been something that the occitane region and toulouse have produced well they produced fabian barthez uh um i was gonna well. say i'm trying to remember arguably who... the best french goalkeeper of all time since hugo Lloris. well i mean he's played long before Lloris. Yeah, he probably did but for all i know Barthez is no, not I'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> kidding like he won the World Cup in living memory. Yeah, it's so old. Um, I hate old people. And Alvin Lafont, who's now the Nantes goalkeeper, was yeah. a huge. He was probably the biggest goalkeeper prospect when he. What's came with all these the old ass keepers still playing in France? Yeah, I, there's like six of them. Yeah, on Mandanda these like mid table lower mid table teams yeah. that are all like, yeah. Mandanda's the yes, there was a stance for them there. Yeah, um, like every, there's like eight Pepe Reinas in playing yeah. in League One, right? I mean, France produces a lot of great goalkeepers yeah. as well, so it makes sense that Toulouse would have a good history of producing goalkeepers. But Nanda's going to be playing until he's like 52. Yeah. But Guillaume Reste, he looks like he's going to be one of the next ones. He's looked great in the Europa League. He's only 18 mm-hmm. and already starting for a league on side. I think that's fun. pretty impressive. It's a good bit of fun. Um, So I think that like Brentford, you know, when they went Moneyball, they got rid of their youth academy. Mm. because they said we want to be able to find it's a products. bad investment it's a little different in england too yes because in england like top the like, richest teams just steal your players for like not enough money when they're yeah. young and there's only and then PSG they could sell them for like way more when they're adults and psg are the only ones that scoop PSG are, all the, the, are the yeah the only ones with the money to like literally steal everyone's players which yeah. they will but they will. only the best yeah but i also think i don't know for a fact but it looks like based on like when youth players move in france if there's some more protections uh-huh for the developing team. Um, I don't know what the actual differences are, but it at least it looks like they tend to stay longer with their the team that develops them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so 2023-24 has not been quite as great a year for Toulouse. They only They're brought really in, not in the league. Yeah. They brought in a few guys who are starting for them. Cesar Gelaber, Christian Caceres Jr. from New York Red Bulls. Oh yeah. Aaron Dunham plays a lot for them. Uh, but you know, they just haven't really captured that same, like, uh, emotion and grab that the other players had when they first came up. I know, and they're a whole position lower than they were last year, Yeah, right? I know. It's That's a disaster. tough. That must be hard for them. But they have uh, only won three games this year. Really? In the league, yeah. They have a lot many, of draws, huh? They have as <laughs> yeah. many European wins as they Oh, is that real? What's yeah. their record? They have three, eight, and seven. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of draws. Yeah. They're one of the lowest scoring teams in the league as well. Yeah, there's a lot year. of low point totals at the bottom of the table in there. Yeah. So they're only one point away from relegation this Damn. year. Whereas last year, you yeah. know, they came 13th. Yeah, but they're they pretty, weren't, I feel like they're comfortable. They weren't yeah. in the relegation battle. They were pretty um, comfortable most of the year. So I think that's the big difference here. Yeah. Is that like this year, they're in a relegation battle. They're one point above Lyon, Damn. who are in 16th and in that playoff spot. Yeah. Um, so it's 
it's definitely tense. They're there with Nont, Montpellier, local Occitan rival, Montpellier, mm-hmm. and Metz. As I feel well. like the playoff spot is probably a, still a safe position for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be surprised to see anyone who comes third through seventh in League Two able to knock them off. I, I don't actually remember. I mean, this is the playoff. Um, yeah, the teams that are around that spot right now aren't too intimidating. I guess Grenoble look decent. Um, yeah, they have some history too. Laval have also been a good youth, in the cup. youth team. Um, but Paris FC and Ajaccio are both right now just outside the playoff. Yeah, Paris They're... FC is every year. Paris FC is doomed to always be either just outside the playoff or losing like the second round of the playoff. Yeah, I mean, and Saint Etienne are only a couple points out of the playoff as well. One point, uh, like, Jesus Christ, every... six to 12 is two points, yeah. and that's, that's the always the case in the league. Two. league, league two. two is always like that, yeah. man. League um, two, league two, and like the two Bundesliga are fucking nuts. Yeah. But so, yeah, this season's been a bit of a rough one. Their second win actually just came, or third win actually just came a week ago when they beat Mets 1-0. That's big time. But one thing I learned about Liga in this research and over the summer was I knew they lost Stein, Stein's Spearings on a freeze. You just mumbled I, the rest of that. I right? struggled, man. Stein's Spearings. Stein's Spearings. The obviously Dutch. Yeah, 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 yeah. They lost him to Bon on a free, but then he wasn't registered for Bon's Champions League squad. Oh, tough. So you're allowed a joker, which is a player you can bring in on loan after the transfer window closes, the day after. Yeah, that's kind of a rude name. As a joker. That's kind of rude. Like a joker's wild type deal. Yeah, but it sounds like they're saying this player is a fucking loser. Nobody wants this guy. And here's him for free. This is kind of a joke. They lost him for free, and then they loan him in the day after the window closes. That's so dumb. From the team that they lost him to in their own league, That's which so is crazy to me. So they got Stein Spearings back, which is an important addition for them. And he wasn't able to be registered for Europe mm. this year, but he will probably be registered for the next rounds in the knockout stage. So maybe he can give them a boost going into the knockout stages. Um, but yeah, domestically, it's been it's been rough. But in Europe, you know, it was a good campaign. They finished second. In really good campaign. When was the last time they're in Europe prior to this? Oh nine ten. Oh nine ten. So yeah. this is the first time they've ever qualified out of a group. That's crazy. In Europe, yeah. I mean, for only been in two of them, right? But right, you know, still that's pretty. But uh, but what about the old the old club? Uh, they won in the first round. Oh, uh-huh. the old club played in like the inner cities fair cup. Oh kind, yeah, they, the yeah, pedigree of that. Yeah, they folded in sixty seven, right? So European yeah. competitions weren't hard to probably were a lot more selective. Out. Yeah, they're a lot more selective as to and before the Champions League started. Now everyone get in these days. Everyone gets into Europe. Yeah, and that's why then, we have a fake job like this. The Champions League, which only existed for a little bit of that time period, was just the name actually was what it meant. Yeah, even though it wasn't called that, but yeah, it was the champion from each league. Yeah, the so they obviously weren't able to yeah. qualify for that. Um, but yeah, so it's their first time getting out of a group stage. They were pretty impressive along the way. Started with a 1-1 draw against Union Saint-Gilois, who have, at this point, a bit of European pedigree and know-how. So that was... Indeed they uh, do. And then, oh, I should... And are also Moneyball. I should just mention that, like, yeah, this group was Liverpool, Toulouse, Union Saint-Gilois, and LASK from Austria. So Liverpool, obviously heavy favorites in the group. Mm-hmm. Union Saint-Gilois, now of some European history. Went to a quarterfinals of a, of of a Europa comp- League. Yeah, recently. Europa League. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and Lask as that well, out of Austria. Uh-huh. They're in Europe pretty regularly. I think they're third in Austria. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good. They're a pretty solid team. They're I in did, Europe. I think they were third amount. last year, too. 
Uh, so there were concerns that Toulouse could even come fourth in this. Yeah, trip. just I don't remember where we picked him. I think we picked him third. Well, I think I picked him third. You might have picked him second. I can't remember if I picked him second or third. Yeah. Um, but they got off to a decent start. They get a draw against Unicentrois in Belgium. Yeah. Saying okay, that's a decent result. That's, that's what that, you want. That's us up. Take some points on the road. Win at home. Yep. Then they get Lost at home. Mm-hmm. First European game in Toulouse in over a decade, and they win. No fucking problem. One nothing. It's a great show. No problem. And they get Liverpool away. Uh, and he, they played Liverpool away. So they lost they got five, the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. 5-1. I remember, it was a good, we covered all of these. Yeah. If you recall. Yes. Go back and listen to the episode. the people who if that's don't, appealing. Yeah. Don't listen every time or just yeah, yeah, yeah. a specific episode. But you should, because yeah. we cover every single one of these fucking games. And yeah. it's a lot of games. Uh, then they went and they got Liverpool back at home. And back they managed home. a pretty surprising 3-2 win. Uh, Liverpool were rotated but not you know like pretty rotated they still had a started certain dope. amount of yeah <laughs> the players they rotated in were very young players yeah they mostly and played their like u21 team. i think they did well yeah but they also still started gakpo luis diaz they have like, a good Alistair, u21 Endo, players yeah. um and gakpo is like 23 uh trent gakpo yeah, is young right yeah. but trent came in sala came in yeah, yeah. they brought uh, the people, boss, like, they definitely brought in. the dudes off the bench for yeah sure. nunez came in um jota came in too um, no, I don't. I don't mean to minimize. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like Toulouse. They faced a rotated team, but not like a fully rotated team. It was like a B squad, not uh-huh. the way that some people. I even we probably presented it as more of like a C squad for Liverpool. When it yeah, was, it was a B squad. It was a B squad. It was backups. Um, backups. And honestly, I rewatched the highlights to prepare for this. Man, Toulouse dominated that game. They won three to two, and it was a controversial game, which I'll get to. But man, it could have been four or five nothing before. Liverpool even got something. Mm. I, it was a thorough demolition until right around like the 70th minute when Liverpool kind of picked it up. Uh, they brought in the guys off only, the bench. Yeah, it was only 2 nothing when that mm-hmm. happened, though, because uh, Dalinga and Donham had scored, but Dalinga thought he had another goal that was chopped off because a pretty clear Joe Gomez dive. I on rewatch, I was like, wow. How dare you? He really, he clearly dove. That should not have been called a foul. How dare you? Um, and Liverpool fought their way back in the game to their credit using a Caceres own goal and then a great Jota goal. And then they thought they had the equalizer to make it 3-3 against the odds. Uh-huh. You know, Liverpool against the odds, getting a draw to loose. But it was chopped off for a handball in the buildup, which mm-hmm. there were definitely questions as to whether it was close enough to the goal to be worthy of going back and uh-huh. barring. I recall well this. Also, I wondered the same thing at the yeah. time. As well as also questions as to same whether it was, it was clearly touching his arm. Yeah, didn't that seemed super harsh. Um, and so totally understandable complaints there from Liverpool fans. I would actually have more complaints but, if I was like the St. Joe's fan because yeah. it affected them more than it affected Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool was going to win the group either way. But uh, Toulouse fans, I also, you know, on rewatch, they also had their fair share of complaints with that referee crew mm-hmm. who, wow, they did a terrible job. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, either way, I thought in the end, even though it was controversial, it was definitely a deserved win for Toulouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's and arguably their biggest win. ever win in Europe. Yeah, it's either or this maybe... or the Maradona win. Yeah, yeah. One right. of their two biggest wins. But and... now they can be like, we have competition for what our biggest European win is. That's uh, yeah. pretty fun. It is fun. Yeah. Um. But that set them up into a great spot. Their next game was Union Sensua at home, which was a nil-nil draw. Mm -hmm. And that, for all intents and purposes, qualified to lose for the next round. Mm -hmm. They still needed 
to make sure they took care of business. I think they needed at least a draw at last. Certainly, which... certainly uh, meant they could at least go to the conference. Yeah. Um, well, maybe Lost was still alive last day. I can't quite remember. Lost were alive for the Europa League. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Liverpool were through, and they played Union Saint-Chiwa. This time they played a C team. Yes, this time they played a C team. <laughs> yeah. And so Union Saint-Chiwa actually won on the last day, which meant that Toulouse just needed to not lose by two goals. Yeah. Right? But they ended up cruising to a pretty easy 2-1 win mm-hmm. against Lask, who bowed out. And Toulouse qualified for Europe. Or if not Europe, they were already... More Europe. More Europe. They More Europe specifically. Yeah, the knockout phases where... Second. Now they are going to play Benfica. And that first leg kicks off on the 15th. Which is a big ask, but why not? You know, It is a big ask. Uh, I think they could give Benfica uh, a, a tie, though. You know, Yeah. I, I'm not sure anyone's picking them in that. No. I mean, yeah. If I they, was... do you know, if are they hosting first? They must be because of the second no, they're, team. No, uh, Benfica hosting. Oh, because Benfica dropped drop down. down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if they can, like, stay within, you know, range, a goal or two. Like why not that with that crowd or that home crowd? Yeah, maybe they can I pull some up. Yeah, they just gotta um, keep it close at Benfica. And you know if they're, you know they're able to beat, they're clearly able to beat decent teams, mm. right? So I think they're especially at home. Yeah, uh, so great home, a chance great to home crowd. They won't be favorites, but no. I mean, who usually is in their first European knockout adventure? Yeah, you know. Um, also, you know what? I, I there's one thing I did forget to mention as well about this year's team that they're under a new manager. Oh, yeah. So they had been managed by, give me one second, I'm trying to find his name. It's a very, it was a very French name. Yeah. And I don't want to. <laughs> very French. Well, I'll start with, so their current manager is Carlos Martinez Nobel, who was appointed over the summer. He'd been with the team for a couple years, but his only real managerial experience. What was his role with the team? Before. Just like man, a part of the management team. Oh, he was like an assistant. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find the exact. Well, they promoted from within. Yeah, I Three couldn't find the move. exact uh role he had before. Can but you imagine? Like head coaching experience was with yeah. the Qatar U twenties. Oh, interesting. I find it. They must have given a shit ton of money to do that. I think. Yeah. I find it. Uh, I find it strange that. I mean, there must be more to this than just like a sacking. But imagine like not only avoiding relegation when you bounce back into the league, but yeah. also securing your team's like first real trophy ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, other than like lower leagues. And I mean, yeah, it and, was, uh... and and moving on from that is strange. But there must have been more to that than just like unhappy with the performance. Cause I actually thought Yeah. That's... I mean from what I could tell, everything about the vibes of the club are great. They accomplished more than they would have ever hoped last year. Mm-hmm. They you know, everybody in the town seemed I I, I from I believe I don't remember Apologize about the off, not remembering the author's name, but I did. There was an article in the Athletic, somebody covering Toulouse last season, who's talking about the fans' reconnection with the culture of the club, and how you know <clears throat> since they sort of like remodeled themselves in the Moneyball way, that they've yeah. they've had a lot more connection to the culture of the city, and like as as you mentioned, in a rugby first town in the past, yeah, they've really sort of reignited a fan base and and the city, and everybody felt sort of connected again to the. Yeah, to so the community it, it of the was club. A weird move. So I, I don't, th- I like the vibes hadn't been higher there in fifteen yeah. plus years. It was so. uh, Philippe Montagnier. Mm. That was I was trying to see the last name. So I there must have been something more there. mutual than yeah. And I do also, I think it's a little the timing with 
four contributors leaving on free transfers mm -hmm. as well. Makes maybe he just like... felt the maybe he felt his uh you know his period there. Well, was everything I found was that he was let go mm -hmm. because they were was unhappy with the the position. That doesn't make sense which to me. It doesn't make sense to me. So I do wonder if maybe there was something that doesn't add up going on with like backroom understanding I with the so. four players leaving. Yeah. As well, because maybe, maybe they like, disagreed on man on yeah, or maybe they thought he was struggling with man management and maybe were like, You're the reason a lot of these guys aren't resigning. I doubt it. Something. I um, doubt it. I bet they just had some sort of that they weren't on the same page about process or something like that. Yeah, and also if you, if they didn't things. like the way management was going, I don't think he would promote his step one of his staff members from within. You know that doesn't make sense. Yeah, unless this guy is more of like it wouldn't. A, it doesn't seem like more it would like be a, a, I don't want to use the term party guy because that feels weird, right? Like you know, it's not politics, but I feel like maybe it was, he's more of like a management guy. I feel like if it was a culture guy. thing, and then it wouldn't, then they wouldn't have like held on to the same coaching staff. But I don't know. Pointless speculating. We'll reach out to his agents for comment. Yeah, but. You know, the things about Carlos Martinez Novell, who's the current manager, is he seems to be pretty adaptable in terms of formation. They've used back fours, back fives based on opponents. Um, I would say their most typical formation is like a four, two, three, one. Mm -hmm. Uh with Tyson. Join the club, am I right? Yeah. With Tystalinga up top as like the key piece. And then Sierra and Spear Spearings as the like midfielders in that too. And then a lot, it seems like there's a lot of changes in the lineup as well. This one I could see, I don't know if that's like injuries or it just rotates a lot for fatigue or what, um, why there were so many changes, at least for the mm -hmm. European lineups. Yeah. Um, But maybe it's also just, you know, he looks like he's a pretty adaptable coach. He's going to match it to the opposition and really dive into like, what do the analytics say we need to do today mm -hmm. to beat this specific team? Um. But one thing I did notice was that defensively they shift really heavily. Uh -oh. So like the whole back line will be in the same half of the oh, yeah. when the ball's over there and then sprinting over to the other side. So uh that was one of the things I did notice watching them. But other than that, like it's hard. They just look like a normal team. And yeah, they make so many changes game to game and will do different things that it's hard to find outside of individual players. Uh -huh. hard to find like a cohesive this is what they do every game. Yeah. Um they seem more even more flexible than last year. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, though, that stays consistent is the importance of Tice Dalinga uh -huh. to the team. Even though his goal-scoring numbers are definitely down this year, he's definitely the most recognizable name on the team. Uh, he had an athletic article written about him this summer as one of mm -hmm. the most exciting U23 prospects. I, I wouldn't world. be surprised if I see him on a TIFO sensible transfer. Absolutely. Oh, he's going to be on a yeah. lot of those this summer. Um He grew up playing as a 10 and a winger. Nothing like an under-23 player in France to get... Yeah. transfer buzz in England. <laughs> yeah. My God. Um, but he was like a 10 and a winger with Groningen when he was in the youth team. But then he just couldn't break. Groningen? 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 Groningen. Okay. Well, Groningen. Dutch people go. probably hate my pronunciation of that. Yeah. But it is ha-ha. Groningen? Groningen. I think it's an U. Okay. Kroonigen. I'll leave the pronunciation of that to you. It's hard. That's where Arjen Robin cut his uh, teeth. Yes, yes. That's yeah, his yeah, boyhood yeah. club. Yeah. But the Linga couldn't break Kroonigan. through there. So he had he moved down the leagues voluntarily. Oh yeah. And then got the move to Toulouse because he was moved down the leagues and was able to show uh. his talent. Um, but he's just like watching him, it's absurd off ball movement. He's so like slippery for defenders. He times his runs great. He's willing to come back and play uh with the midfield as well when he thinks that it will open space for another runner. But he just loves making those like 
kind of hidden runs that the defender somehow they'll somehow always lose him. Mm. He'll make the run. He'll get an open ball, easy one on one. They're he's attacking not a... the most clinical finisher. So uh-huh. like, I was gonna say they're attacking productivity. Seems like it's pretty spread out these days. Like, yeah. it's not like they have a single talisman banging yeah. goals up front. You know. Yeah, he's not the best finisher at least yet. I mean, that's you know, probably better for our club like to lose for sustainability. Like, if you're relying on like a you know, a Jamie Vardy type in the lower leagues, like when that, when Jamie Vardy gets picked up to Leicester, like, yeah. you know, and he's gone from whatever Fleetwood town or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. And suddenly you need suddenly. to like bring in another player of that caliber. Yeah. Suddenly you're summer. losing half the goals the team scored, you know, it's yeah. good to have, it's um, good to have variety. Yeah. But to unless attack, you don't score I mean, any right goal. now, their issue has been scoring goals. Yeah. Though. Maybe they could use one right now. I take it all back. Yeah. I still think goes, I mean, their European goal scoring was fine, but domestically they struggled and which is funny because i haven't watched them play in the league this year but i have watched them play in europe so in my head they're like like a throbbing attacking unit like constant movement and attacks down but yeah i guess in evidently not the case it's a little more stagnant Uh it looks like but they have brought in a couple winter transfers to try to help that first is shabby babika babika who's a 23 year old right winger they're bringing in from rs limassol which you know, bringing in a 23-year-old right winger does make me think this uh, Abu Klaal injury is going to be like, very serious and that they're not sure he'll come back at that high level that he was playing at before. Oh, that's the fact a that, You know, Toulouse are spending almost $3 million on a player. That's a lot play. for them. Yeah. Yeah. That they are taking it seriously and they really need to address that right wing position and that it's not mm-hmm. seen as a short-term move. Or maybe they're like, maybe they rehabilitate him and sell him. Like, uh... Yeah. Maybe um, he's just a redundancy now if this guy works out. Yeah. The other one they brought in is Jan Boho, who I think is exceptional. He, uh, How old is he? He's 22. He's coming from Circle Brugge. Love that. 2.5 million attacking midfielder. He's. I think he should slot in immediately as their 10. Um, I don't know what their lineup was today because today Toulouse played and they got eliminated from the French Cup. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Um. But I think as oh, uh, Boho did play, he was the highest rated player on Toulouse on Fox. Hell yeah. So, In a loss to a third division team? Yep. Let's go. But I think he's got bags of potential. As a 10, he can play on the left wing as well. Um, Just a really talented player. And he's a great passer. He had a bunch of assists last year for Circle Bruga. He'd already had a good amount this year as well for a team that isn't you know like the best team. So I think he is a good chance to be one of their better players mm. in the near future. So we'll see if he's able to help fix some of those offensive problems that they've had. Yeah. I feel like as long as they can, you know, stay up in the league, even if they don't this yeah. year, like they seem to be on the right track of identifying like talent from within and outside of the club. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised even if they were to go down this year, if yeah. it's just a one or two year thing and they, Find a way to become a steady, like, mid-table yeah. French club. I think the thing you see with a lot of the, um, like, money ball clubs in soccer, but also in other sports, I mean, yeah. it's like that until, as long as they don't have the finances to compete with the big boys, they're not going to be fighting for yeah. titles. I mean, the Oakland Athletics, no. the example of money ball. Like they the made original. the they made they've made the playoffs a ton for their for their budget Which the was, last twenty yeah, years, but they, and they barely won a series. They've won like one series in the last twenty years. So it's like okay, you'll overperform, you'll be able to compete higher than you would be, but if you don't have the money to compete with the biggest teams, you're just not going to get to that level. Yeah. Um. I mean, but like, in France, we have seen teams with on much smaller budgets 
rim this year. Yeah. We saw Lons finish, I mean, much bigger club in terms of like structure yeah. and money relatively to Toulouse, mm-hmm. but Lons finished second last year. There's an opportunity for some of these teams to like, if not actually win the title, like finish top six and yeah. make Europe for real rather than winning or win a, win, win a cup, another cup. Yeah. you know, like we saw Nons do it like the, and you know, Nons finished close to that top six, seven, like France's is a league where like in like England and like, well, actually Spain, think, like in Italy, it's really hard to do that right now. Yeah, I actually think England, the English clubs that have used Moneyball, Brentford and Brighton are Brighton good examples especially. for like where Toulouse could go. Is uh, if you, are able to sustain yourself and just slowly start creeping up. The money gets higher and higher in soccer as you move yeah, up. Yeah, right. Right. So even if it's just small amounts, I mean, we saw with Brighton is that like, okay, they solidify themselves as a Premier League club. Then they were able to make the jump because they finally found the pieces and the manager uh-huh. with the, with having the finances to now compete at the mid table level. Uh-huh. They were finally able to then make that jump. at a much higher scale with Premier League money, but yes. then, yeah, then League One money, then League One money to do it when the money's yeah. at that scale. But, but yeah, but even with like yeah, winning the like cup, the... I'm sure it, winning the cup in the Europa League to a mm-hmm. team like Brighton probably doesn't make that much of a difference now. Yeah, the money itself, but to a team like Toulouse, like the Europa League money is huge. Yeah, so if they're able to do this again, there's a lot more they can invest in the ish. club now because with yeah. that with that cash. Yeah. yeah, if they're able to do it again in like the near-ish future, uh-huh. I think we could start to see. Toulouse maybe slowly creep up slowly creep up that table yeah um i also do think it's a little harder in france than it would be in england though because the money's france, less the money's less and like france has psg obviously cruising at the well, top you're not gonna win the league yet. so it's easier to make the champions league but okay. the like two through ten spot in france is a little it's often wide open it's i think it's a little more solidified it's like who ends up in the top half in france than in england whereas like maybe because england the top six are set now seven that, yeah, I now guess eight. now with Newcastle. Now it's like eight because yeah, of Brighton like and Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah. But Brighton are the example that I want to use yeah. here. Is like, yeah, I just you know, don't think they can get to that level before, without the, without this. Yeah, you know the chunk of money that you before get Newcastle, in England. You know, before Newcastle got in. Yeah, right when that last spot in Europe was pretty open. Yeah, right. You would have the table would be pretty compressed usually from like seven to fourteen. Uh-huh. So if you could avoid being in the relegation battle, you gave yourself a chance. Whereas like France, I think had a stronger. Or a bigger gap. I'm not sure that's true anymore. Europe. It might. It probably isn't true now that. And also, there's such a big gap. It's like, like now, like, well, Leon is a sort of outlier this year. But I yeah. feel like, like twelfth to like four, five, fifth in the league is always like who fucking knows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or it's like the same like nine teams, but like in a completely different order. Every but that's year. what I mean. It's like it's yeah. But I don't think it's not hard to break into compared. Like it's usually the same teams, and I feel like it's. I don't rare. think it would take that much to break into though. Like. I don't, to I become like the tenth team in that to, to be, be to be the new like Lons or whatever you know to be Toulouse or Mets to jump over I suppose like a Ren I think is hard because well Long maybe probably Long was already a team that was like I think Ren is a different exit. Ren is like a little more elevated I think in this case than a yeah, lot Ren of the teams right now yeah well yeah but, but they're, they're usually not then they're not behind they're usually the top six that I would say like oh it's weird that I guess Rest might be one yeah of teams, that's weird but, yeah yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I you like expect Ren. Ren is in that group, that second tier group in France with like Lille and, uh, you know, what what it's mean, like PSG. 1A tier. is PSG. Second tier is like Marseille and Lyon, right? Yeah. And then the third, that maybe next. Maybe Monaco too. But yeah, maybe Monaco. I just feel like the, then the next tier is like Ren, Lens, Lille, and who else? Who else is in that group? Uh, it's like the third tier. That's second. Yeah. Lille, Lens, Ren. That's kind of the main. 
I would or, say Montpellier are probably. They used to be, but not anymore. Was the last time Montpellier was in? Strasbourg, was in, was like top five. Strasbourg, yeah, not anymore. Be, but I think there's only those three teams. So I just think it's like that. All the European spots in France are usually right. You could list it out with teams that you'd be like, these are teams that I expect to be in Europe. But until the last two years when Newcastle yeah. got bought mm-hmm. in England, there was always that. Oh, this is the mid-table yeah. European spot. But right? I actually don't think it would be that hard to move into one of those groups with that's consistency and smart yeah. recruitment just because there's not many clubs in France that have money. Like, yeah, that's a good if, point. So yeah, you no. could get a, you know, have, being smart, I think nets you more advantage than it would like, in like England or Spain in terms of immediate benefit yeah. than it would where you have to like build slowly over time. You know? Yeah. I get what you're saying. Because like in a league like Spain where it's like, there's the top three teams and then everybody else. Yeah, like, I do think Spain is another one, though, where historically, this is obviously not the case this year or last year. Mm-hmm. Like, historically, there's a very strong, this is the Europa League group of teams, right? Like, Sevilla. one of them will make... <laughs> yeah. You mean Spain. Sevilla? Sevilla, <laughs> Bilbao, Sociedad, Valencia, Villarreal were always, like, yeah. uh, Betis as well. Like, yeah. these but are the, the top three that, never change in yeah. Spain. It's these all... were the teams that would be fighting for that yeah. last Champions League spot and the yeah. Europa League spots. But right now, I mean, Girona's trying to do an amazing thing and break the top three in La Liga, yeah. which I, I like. When was the last time those teams didn't finish one, two, and three in some order? I have no idea. I feel like didn't Barca come fourth? Maybe Sevilla came th- third at some I point. Feel like they did. I don't know, but it's does it doesn't know, happen very much. In fourth right now, Atletico are in fifth. Oh yeah, with two games in hand. Yeah, I was gonna like, say it whatever. doesn't it doesn't happen much. It's not, yeah. and this year those two, I guarantee those three teams finish in the top four again, guarantee. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's just a question yeah. of if Girona will. I think in the top of your oh name. Nice we left Nice off Nice right right, right. Nice list. is but, the other one I was yeah I think France though that yeah especially since there's now going to be France going to get the extra European spot starting uh-huh. next year as well I think that'll probably go a long way yeah um but speaking of you know we talked about Toulouse's future a little bit but we could talk a little bit about like the future of Liga uh where they're kind of heading just like down hopefully no I yeah. uh wrong direction yeah well. For a while they were, but now they've slimmed down to 18 teams. Actually, that's gonna be good for the league. I do think so, yeah. Um it's I think not a do... 20 deep 20 team league, you know. They're yeah, not deep it's, enough. It's like the Bundesliga, and to be completely honest, I think most leagues are 18 teams deep. I mean, you're looking at like look at where teams are at the bottom of the table of like the Premier League and Syria, and they're just well, so it depends that depends on the year a little bit. Like, yeah, last year all three teams stayed up in the Premier League. This year, yeah. all three teams might go down. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Well, it's more just like, you know, like Sheffield United are... Sheffield United are not a Premier League team. Not a Premier League team. No. Um, but they're a weird Salernitana example because Inter- they sold all the players before the year they went yeah. up. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Salernitana and Syria are... Like, there's some talent there. Yeah. But just overall, it's like, they're not really Mm-mm. a Syria team. Like, they have no. a couple good players, but they're not a Syria team. And so uh-huh. I do think 18, it's... Every game is going to be competitive. Yeah. At least should be... But especially in a league like where there's not enough money to go around, like yeah, because now you're spreading out over less people, yeah. it's a little easier. To Makes more sense, I think, and... in in England, Italy, and Spain, where yeah. there's like where the the leagues that have the most money. I mean, especially if you look at the league on table right now, every team is recognizable, mm-hmm. right? Lorient in last place. Everybody knows Lorient. That's a real team. Everybody who follows soccer yeah. closely knows Lorient. The only like weird team in the top flight is Clermont Foot. But they've mm-hmm. been a great story for the last few years that people have talked about, mm-hmm. right? So I think now that they've kind of dropped down size a little bit, I actually think it could benefit the league. And especially because they're still looking, I think, for an international TV rights deal. 
Yeah. And they want to be at the level of like Syria. Yeah. Right. That was their stated goal was to get mm-hmm. Syria money, which would be it's crippling what yeah. they currently That's get. gonna be tough. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're gonna get they'll that. be lucky to get double. And especially because almost every other league is taking a smaller international mm-hmm. uh broadcasting deal. Like the Premier Leagues went down. I think Syria's went up like two percent, mm-hmm. right? Something very small. Bundesliga's went down. Um so like I think it's gonna be tough for them to get that. Mm. But you know they because they catch strays from just everyone else in Europe now. Everybody, yeah. including us. Yeah. <laughs> you you're always talking about it. You're always joking that uh Portugal's league is better than theirs, which it isn't, but yeah, I'm... you know, but they're they're the top three teams are I mean, is Portugal's second and third team better than yeah. France's second and third team? Probably. Probably. But the, as a league, it's not better. Yeah. But I mean the other thing is just over the last few years, right? Last year they came what one two three four five six seventh in coefficient on the season mm-hmm. the year before they were there's more to a top also... league coefficient david i know i know but i'm saying there like, is yeah but it's one of the things that people use like you know how they should compare you know how they should compare these though they should have like a tournament where the bottom like the bottom six teams in each league play each other yeah that would be fun because obviously the reason so we, then you'd really find out which leagues are better than which yeah. leagues the you know league on top teams a whatever top five league is that yeah. Orient would be probably sixth in the Dutch league, right? <laughs> like it's just yeah. The depth of the Netherlands is a five team league. Portugal's like a four or five team league. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Yeah. Although I do think Belgium's probably deeper than Netherlands and Portugal. Belgium's down bad right now, yeah. but Belgium is also like a five team league. It's like yeah. in terms of teams that would act, like, they're actually like com- could compete in like a European game. Yeah, there's not many. Yeah, but that's the thing with league. France right? probably like, has like twelve. Yeah, with league, all the teams top to bottom are at least good. Yeah, right. Like there's. The same thing in the other top five leagues, right? Like, yeah. every team that's in that top five league is a good team. It, yeah. They have good players who will get onto national yeah. teams. You'd say, like, right? is it crazy that the team in France, like, came second in a Europa League group, that but is 14th in the league? No. You'd say, like, that's not that crazy. No. That would be crazy in Portugal. <laughs> yeah. That would be crazy. It, it would be absurd. I mean, it yeah. was almost crazy in the Netherlands. It was almost true. Crazy in Belgium. almost true this year in the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> that would be crazy. But that team was Irish, right? Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, the coefficient thing is one thing a lot of people use just to be like, oh, well, it's France. You know, they're, I do think there's a clear gap between like the top French teams uh-huh. outside of PSG and the top teams from Germany, Italy, Spain, right? Like, I think that, you know, Italy have three teams that go into a Champions League season expecting to be in the later part of the competition mm-hmm. almost every year, right? Germany has, Bayern Munich is supposed to win it. Leipzig and, Leipzig and Dortmund ex- and Leverkusen now right Leverkusen now. Yeah. will expect to be competing in the later to at least get through to knockouts yes yeah. whatever has three teams going in expecting to win the competition yeah right like um, definitely two yeah and Atletico I think and, and Barca win. also probably yeah. ha Barca ah, got got Atletico won it not that do. long ago right they never won to, sorry went to the final not they went to two finals yeah in the, the last, last decade, and lost was, both of them to Madrid. I'm gonna say because the that's their lot in life, yeah. and what they get for being racist fans. Yeah. So, like, you know, I do think like France has one of those teams. Like Marseille is not gonna go into a Champions yeah. League, and people are people be like, okay, can they get out of the groups? That's the level for Marseille. And which Marseille, is- remember, like Marseille, the closest Marseille got to any final of any competition was in the Conference League two years ago. Yeah. And they they pissed off to Feyenoord. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know. Yeah, and so it's like they are at the level of where like that fourth team from mm-hmm. the other four leagues would expect to be where it's uh-huh. like, okay, you're in the Champions League. Can you get out of the group? Yeah. Right. So I think that's the difference with league on wide 
going to be hard for them to break in. But Definitely. with the changing rules to the Champions League now, I think one qualification becomes easier, right? Because it's 24 instead of 16 teams getting out of the group stage. And France gets an extra team to the Champions League because they'll yeah. be fifth. They've, That'll help. They've solidified fifth. But you're right. Part of the problem with the coefficient, of course, is that because they only have one team that could win a competition, yeah. pretty, pretty much, they're not... That, I mean, that's a ton of points, right? Yeah. So that's I think that's a, a flaw in the coefficient system. But yes, you're, you're, you're correct. And just for reference this year, they're currently seventh again. They will pass Czechia. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's going to happen. The Czechs. Um, it looks like they'll pass Belgium. You can't well. stop Victoria Pilsen, man. Yeah. It they're looks like good. they'll pass Belgium as well. But, you know, they're probably at this point a little too far off of Italy, Germany, and England to potentially pass them and get the uh, that fifth extra, that extra spot. For qualification the fifth spot that will go to the two teams that finish two leagues that finish top and coefficient each year looks like it'll be two of italy germany or spain right or italy germany or england but i do think this new system will definitely benefit france yeah it's a big enough country that their domestic tv deal is on par with all the other big leagues so it's just like okay if marseille or nice now that they're in an easier to qualify competition out of the Champions League, like since it's 24 instead of 16, if they start qualifying, then suddenly okay, it's back to those teams are like, you know, Marseille won a Champions League. They won the first one, even though they cheated to get there. They sure did. They won it. We don't talk about that, though. No, we don't mention that. Only because it's funny if they have more than PSG. Yeah, that's the only time I'll give them credit for that. Big one. TD for the Lions. Let's um, go. The spread lives. The spread lives, David. Yeah. My spread lives. And this year, the French team. The parlay lives. <laughs> this year, the French teams are also alive in Europe. That's true. Two of them fell out of the Champions League, but they're still alive. So they can yeah. get... Which is bad improvement points. on last they year. Can, yeah, they can look good. Uh, they'll be on TV. It's an improvement on last year. Yeah. So I think the French League's hand right there. Obviously, it's also easy when you have, you know, by far the, <laughs> the nation producing the best youth talent in Europe right now. Yeah. Is easily France. Yeah. Probably the Const- one. I mean, consistently. Yeah. Not just the French national team having... Yeah, it's them or like... Brazil, probably. <laughs> yeah, but France is also producing like half of the players at AFCON right now. I mean, yeah. so many of the players for Algeria <laughs> yeah. and Senegal are born yeah. in France, raised through the French. I mean, they cheated system. to do that. Yeah, it by was colonizing the entire continent. Yeah. So, but but so you know, other gives other countries team. colonized and they don't have those yeah. those access. I mean, England's getting pretty good at it too. Yeah. The teams still benefit from you know yeah. nurturing these players and selling them on. Uh-huh. Right. So the youth production, in France even though they don't is. get the money they should for them. Yeah. And the league itself is a really fun watch when you go watch just like the if you can if you can get into it. I think yeah, there's a barrier of entry to it because a it's hard to watch, a hard to find. In, in the U.S., it's very because yeah, you, you have to be in. Yeah, yeah, nobody has that. Nobody yeah. has it. That's why you can't watch fucking Afcon either, right? Yeah, that's why I didn't watch like you know I'm a Milan guy. I didn't watch Serie A for a few years because they were on BN. So it's really I hard. Watch it. It's really hard. Uh, you have yeah. to find streams of it. Yeah. Um. So there's like a barrier of entry, and also like it gets shit on all the time. So it's not you don't like think yeah. to watch it. You watch other leagues instead. Yeah. Even but like, yeah, but the that, quality's there. The gameplay's there. The you got to You got to go. You got to go for the young outfield players and the old keepers. Yeah. It's That's also, the selling point. I think the other issue with league he's still is, playing in goal. Yeah. Or who's that twenty year old wonderkin? Yeah. You're like, who's that guy that just did 60 step what's, overs what's, and ripped the corner and yeah. ripped the ball? Yeah. <laughs> what is uh the big issue? I what think is Wonder is, Kid in French? Somebody tell us, somebody tweet at us. Uh the big issue I think is PSG. I think having that huge issue, yeah. A team people don't want to watch it if the title's not up for grabs. No, it's true. Yeah, and it's I mean it happened in Germany. German viewers even though, been down because Bayern's dominant. Even though oddly PSG wins the title way 
less frequently than Byron has, or yeah. even Juve did in their nine. Yeah. They they haven't had a PSG haven't had a nine year spell. No, Monaco it keeps getting interrupted. Lille. Monaco interrupted them. Lille interrupted them. I mean, yeah. nobody gives a shit about Monaco, so that doesn't help. But the Lille story was great. It was a yeah, great story. Was a great story, and that team was absurd. It was a great right, team. Back on it, bunch of great players. Yeah, I mean, Galtier at the time seemed really likable. Now, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. At the time, though. Yeah, but yeah. So it's just like, had... what's he up to these days? Where would he end up? I don't think he's doing anything. He's right not now. done anything since the Paris. Since, since Paris. I think he's still in the. Maybe he that's who Napoli should right hire. Now. Yeah. Um. Better than Jose. Oh. He moved to Qatar. Oh, right. Fucking duh. Yeah. Well, yeah, they can easily leave Qatar whenever he fucking wants. Yeah. Is he coaching the national team or a club? Uh, I'll do hot. I'll do Hale. <laughs> Is what that if... the team with Ferrati? I don't know. No. Who cares? It's the team with Ibrahim Abamba. How is there even more than one club in Qatar? That's ridiculous. How's uh, the team with Coutinho? Do they have because Qatar just have two clubs that play each other every time? Yeah, it's not a big country. <laughs> no, it's not. It has three hundred thousand actual citizens. Yeah, <laughs> but wow, what a weird! It's twelve teams in the top. Three hundred thousand. Twelve teams in the top flight, though. Three hundred thousand. That's half the country. You know, San Marino has like an eight-team league. So <laughs> yeah. I can't criticize them that much. <laughs> San Marino has a tenth of that population. Oh god, I wonder what their the average. Vatican, I think, I wonder... technically has six teams in their league this year. I wonder. <laughs> They're, they're just, just like intramural teams. Yeah, they're just like they the, play in their like the libraries. They play in their cardinal robes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Ligon, I think Mbappe could be leaving the summer, which is somehow both like here's my take on Mbappe. And this is an Mbappe. This is we've this is turned into like it's complete own podcast. Sorry to lose, yeah. but Mbappe, my take is that he every year he does this like because he just enjoys torturing the people of France and the people of Madrid, and every year he'll actually keep staying. I. <laughs> Yeah, it's at least interesting. And every year, you know, Madrid's like, for God's year. sake, we'll pay two, we'll pay whatever. Please just come. And he's like, he's <laughs> only got a few more years before Holland moves to Madrid, and he can't keep doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he can play with Holland. Yeah, that would be insane. Yeah, but Madrid aren't going to him. Like, Holland oh, yeah. and Bellingham for the next ten years. Oh, Fuck God. me, dude. Madrid's going to win every fucking year. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to now when they still when they win every yeah when they win every other year. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I think, you know. Do you have any parting things to say about Toulouse um, while we're at it? Oh, God. I kind of lost my train of thought about Toulouse for a second. Yeah, there. yeah I got caught up in France. Yeah. Um, but it would be nice to see. This is, this is context yeah. for the for their existence. Yeah, it's It would irrelevant. be nice to see teams like Toulouse in France that would are be. able to kind of. Smartly run. And we've maximize the, the youth output no. that so many of these clubs are good at, but mm-hmm. don't seem to be able to, like, maximize consistently because they yeah. have to sell. The turnover is so excessive. Yeah. Um, and then I think like if some of the bigger teams in France are able to kind of follow this lead, we'll see more consistent positions for them because it feels like, you know, Monaco will make the run, they'll win the title, then their best players will get bought. And yeah. then they fall down, right? Same thing happened to Lille, at least a decent bit down the table. Yeah. Right? Monaco is a little, is pretty consistently like top four. Yeah. But it so, feels like every, but they're not going to win. Every time they have like a great squad that, Fights yes. actually fights for the title. Oh yeah, the next year they're they come, like six or seven. All the players, all their players, get they bought. can't afford to pay with them. Yeah. After, like they have to sell them for just so for I the think market. It'd be really interesting in France if some of the slightly bigger teams, like I don't want to say Nice because they have that Ineos money, so they can probably just try to compete with yeah. PSG. Nice is still figuring out like how to run themselves because yeah. they Nice had that really good year, and then they. And then last year, they like their ownership and model like complete like made a bunch of stupid things. They signed aging players from and the Premier League back up to second, right? Because, because they correct, they correct, they, they, they yeah. Because it's not that hard to be like top six in France, to yeah. be honest. So teams really don't be dumb. Need to start looking at like yeah, 
I think what consistent teams that are able to consistently just slightly overperform mm-hmm. start following that like model. So look at like yeah. what Toulouse did. I think Toulouse could totally what, be like a Union St. Joe's type doing. story, just yeah. it corrected for a more competitive league. Yeah. yeah. What Claremont Foot have been doing, like look at those teams that slightly overperform at the lower end of the table. Mm-hmm. And maybe then you'll be able to, you know, challenge one year, but then just make those quick replacements. Yeah. Right? Like because Lille fell down a bit. Uh, you know, Ren could totally sustain challenges yeah. with the money that they have. Right, and keep selling and their best players. players for eighty million, and then yeah. somehow bringing in better players for, for yeah, five just million. Look at those. Type of <laughs> yeah. How you do don't they do need it? to adopt Moneyball, yeah. but like look at it to be like, how do they find the same players to just mm-hmm. you know bring in after they sell their big stars? Because I think yeah. that's one of the issues with teams at the top end of league on is that they yeah. they'll fall down pretty quickly mm-hmm. when they lose their best players. Yeah. So, Maybe look to Toulouse as like the answer for how do we sustain these challenges, or Toulouse just slowly builds themselves up. That'd be nice. That would be cool. And suddenly, Toulouse is a football town, not yeah, a rugby not a rugby town. town. But, but also was... cool, also cool that Toulouse has a good club now because it's such they're the only club in the region. Yeah, well, Montpellier is not that. Well, it's pretty far for European terms. For European terms, it's, it's pretty, pretty far. Good. Yeah, like for American terms, they're neighbors, but in European term, terms, they have no they have no neighbors. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, they don't like they. So the region is pretty much a one club state. You know what I mean? Like yeah, for the, I mean, not the state, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. For the the immediate area. Yeah, um, I mean, there's both, no they're both in Occitania. Yeah, right? like, but there's so no. There is, well, there is. A, there's but there's no like you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like it's a, they, they're not really competing for attention. They're not bringing up the same youth players. Really. Also, yes. Right. Yeah. Like they're both part of Occitania, so there there is that competition. There is mm-hmm. that rivalry, and they are somewhat nearby mm-hmm. i don't know exactly how but, they, but toulouse kind of feels like their own little like pocket of, of the country you know yeah. what i mean so it's um, nice for that for a region like that to have its own something to be proud of you know yeah and obviously you know they've won the european championship in rugby like five or six times so yeah it will probably be hard to pass rugby but toulouse fc starting to cut away at the advantage that the rugby fans had so it'd be mm-hmm. cool to see cool to see them sustain the success and hopefully we'll be able to see them back in our competitions sooner rather than later indeed well said well uh that's our show that is i it. believe on toulouse yeah. um if you liked it give us a shout on twitter if you didn't go fuck yourself i don't want to hear from you uh the, go let's be nicer to them no don't, go find go find out another hobby if you didn't like it fucks. don't leave a review go fuck yourself please we're we know it's good oh, God. we know it's so good like us please like us uh <laughs> Please like We're us. We're never gonna grow. Please You're, like us. Swear it, everybody. Please like us. Um, and if you don't, I don't care because yeah. I'm uh really well um accounted for. And this is the worst outfit we can get this on. Bye. <laughs> love, love you to lose. <laughs>